Hi everyone, Pastor Gregory Bartram here, lead pastor here at Destiny Church, where your history doesn't define your destiny. I just want to welcome you to Your Destiny Podcast. Thanks for listening. And my prayer is that the message that you hear today brings healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. This morning we're going to continue talking about Kingdom Manifesto, Kingdom Manifesto. Um, Last Sunday, we really got down into the depths of what this Kingdom Manifesto is, and we began to talk about the Kingdom Instruction, because I believe what you are really seeing in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 is Jesus instructing his disciples in the Kingdom, in the Kingdom. And so we're going to continue looking at the Kingdom Instruction this morning, so we're going to begin reading Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, or when he sat down, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and I want to stop there. I want you to listen to what, what the scripture says. Seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, And when he was sat down, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and taught them. There is so much in these two verses right here. To the casual onlooker, you don't see much. But if you will be led by the Holy Ghost, he'll speak something to us today that is behind the curtain of just these words. Amen? And so today I want to talk about Kingdom Manifesto, but more specifically I want to continue talking about kingdom instruction kingdom instruction father bless the reading of your word bless your people that are here today father we exalt you we honor your word lord have your way in jesus name amen and amen you can be seated in the presence of the lord the the purpose for matthew's gospel and i I mentioned this last uh last time we were together last time i preached i know last sunday we um we had pastor appreciation, so it would be the, the Sunday before that. But um, I had mentioned to you that the purpose of Matthew's gospel was to present Jesus as king. The purpose of Matthew writing this gospel, his intent for writing this gospel was to prove that Jesus was not just an ordinary man, but he is the Messiah, he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. That's why... Matthew put pen to parchment was to show us that Jesus was king and that he had all rights and privileges to the throne of David. If you go and look what Matthew writes about the genealogy, Matthew goes back into the genealogy of Jesus and he proves to us, he proves to us that Jesus is actually in the line of King David and that Jesus has all rights and privileges to that throne. So that's why Matthew, each gospel writes about Jesus in a different perspective. The perspective of Matthew is to write how that Jesus is king. And so it's interesting to me that as Matthew is proving that Jesus is king, the first thing that Matthew tells us about Jesus is that Jesus takes his disciples up on a mountain and he does what? Teaches them. What is he teaching them? He is teaching them and instructing them about 
the kingdom. How many knows if you have a kingdom, then you have to have a king. So if the king shows up, then he's going to talk about what? His kingdom. And so Matthew does something interesting to me. Before he mentions anything else about Jesus, about the power of Jesus, about the glory of Jesus, about his ministry, he tells us about the kingdom first. Matthew inserts the Sermon on the Mount, which is a sermon that Jesus preaches that, that really focuses on the kingdom. He puts it up front. When, when you read Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins immediately to teach on the kingdom. Why? Because the kingdom will be a very important message that Jesus will preach throughout his ministry. Matter of fact, I would even go as far to say that it was the only message that Jesus preached on earth. That Jesus did not deviate from the message on the kingdom. Why? Because he came to establish the kingdom on earth. So everything that would flow out of his mouth would somehow be, be, be about the kingdom. It would, it would be some way to teach somebody about what the kingdom looks like, how the kingdom operates. And I am afraid that even today we have gone very, very far off from what kingdom is. Because man has gotten so involved and put his opinions and his interpretation so much into the scripture and what the Bible teaches that we don't even know what the kingdom even looks like because it's veiled by so much of man's traditions and man's thoughts and man's teachings. But I believe, listen, that we are coming into a day where people are beginning to hunger and thirst for the kingdom of God. And I believe that if we are ever going to see a move of God, we got to go back to the original message and that original message was kingdom. And it was about a king. It's not about us becoming popular. It's about him becoming popular. It's not about us becoming famous. It's about Jesus becoming famous. And so we have removed the king from the throne and we have put ourselves on there. And I believe it's time that we dethrone self and say this throne was meant for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and his name is Jesus. That's what this thing is about. It's not about us building big, uh, building big ministries and having a big following and having big crowds come to church. What it's about is how are we increasing the kingdom? How are we decreasing so that he may increase? How much of, how much of self are we removing so that we can make more room for God and his rule and his reign in our lives? We've got this thing totally, listen, as a pastor, you are inundated with all these gimmicks and all these ways to have a big church and to grow a big church. I could care less. You listen to me? I could care less. All I want to know is Jesus being glorified. Is he sitting on the throne? Is his kingdom spreading? Is his kingdom advancing? Because it ain't Greg Bartram's kingdom. It is the Messiah. His name is Jesus. It's his kingdom. And our job and our responsibility and our ministry and our desire is to advance his kingdom. But let me say this. When you put his kingdom first, he said, I'll add all these things unto you. So you don't have to worry about yourself. If you worry about the kingdom, God will worry about you. Come on, if you care about the kingdom, the kingdom will take care of you. 
You give the kingdom time and the kingdom will make time for you. You sacrifice for the kingdom and I promise you the kingdom will make sacrifices for you. It is about kingdom. It's interesting to me that when you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus only mentions the word church one time. And we made this whole thing about church when Jesus made it all about the kingdom. And I can just blow your mind. Even, even when Jesus mentioned church, the word church, we think church, bless God, it's the, it's the building in the community. It's, the, it's, got, it's got the name over the, on, on the sign. That's not what Jesus said. When Jesus said church, he used a Greek word, a Greek name that was ecclesia. It actually, if you study ecclesia, it means called out ones. It means ones that are called out to establish government. Not to establish a building, put our name on it, say that's our church. And we want to grow our church and we want our church to be known and we want our church to be on Facebook and we want our church to have YouTube following. No, it is those of us that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ so that we might do what? That we might grow and spread and advance the kingdom of God and establish the government of that kingdom on earth. You know what our responsibility is here, church? Our responsibility is to be a governmental body that wherever we are, we are to establish the kingdom in the region or the realm or the territory or the place that we are living. And let me tell you, that that is the purpose of destiny. That is our vision, that this kingdom might spread and begin to go everywhere around this city, around this state, around this country. Not God build our church. That's why preachers compete. Why? Because it's about their church. So my church is going to compete against your church. It's not about that. It's about the kingdom. It's about not just my church and their church. It's about we are the kingdom and we are together going to establish the kingdom of God on the earth. Me and Jonathan, we've been um, going to um, ministers meeting. We're all different denominations, all different kind of pastors, all different kind of churches. We have been getting together, and we have, man, it was a great time last time, wasn't it? I mean, there was a Presbyterian pastor there, a Baptist pastor, and we all prayed for each other, and we cried together. That's what kingdom is. Kingdom ain't blessed, God, I'm not going to associate with you because you ain't got the same doctrine as me. No, honey, let me tell you what. It doesn't take us to agree. It just takes us to have a, the same heart and mind that says, Lord, I am going to establish the kingdom even if I've got to get connected and link my arms with other people that may be different than me and see things differently than me. That's why we got too much division in the church because we think we thinking everybody's got to think like us, look like us. You know what that's called? Religion, not kingdom. Religion wants you to think and look and act just like them. And then when you don't, they, they cast you to the side. 
But when you're about the kingdom, you're saying, listen, if, if you, oh, you love Jesus, I love Jesus too. You want to see his kingdom advance? So do I. How can we work together? Oh, don't worry. I know we, we got differences and we, we don't agree on everything. Yes, we got a different doctrine. But at the end of the day, you love Jesus, I love Jesus. And we know that God wants to do something in the earth. So we're going to get together, fellowship together, so that we can see a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Got to get outside these four walls and let God move. And that, that, it's interesting to me that before Jesus talks about anything else, before he talks about any other message, preaches any kind of message, first thing that comes out of his mouth is kingdom. And Matthew makes that very clear. Why? Because he puts it at the beginning of his book. Why? Because everything else that Jesus would do would flow from this message. It was, uh, it's, it's kind of cool how, it all, how when you begin to study this, because Jesus was actually trying to leave an example. He knew that he would be here for three and a half years, and so whatever he did, he would have to teach and leave an example. So everything that he did, whether it's a healing, a miracle, raising the dead, everything that Jesus did, every activity that Jesus did, it was to teach something about the kingdom. Everything was to teach his disciples about the kingdom. And I don't understand how we have gotten so far away from the message of the kingdom when it's so prevalent and so clear in the Gospels. I'll be honest with you, this thing's been messing me up. It's been messing me up. And so Jesus takes his disciples up on a mountain, and he does what? He instructs them into the kingdom. I call it kingdom manifesto. He gave them the kingdom's manifesto. And so, as you know, I'm going to give you the definition again of what a kingdom manifesto is. So what is a kingdom manifesto? A kingdom manifesto is a, king, is a public declaration of principles, policies, protocols, practices of a kingdom that governs the lives of its citizens. Don't you think if, you, if, you, if we go around saying, bless God, I'm a child of the king, I'm a, I'm a part of the kingdom, I'm the citizen, don't you think you ought to know the policies, protocols, practices, and principles of the kingdom that you are a part of? The, the sad fact is, is we all know that once you are born again, you are, you are bo born into another kingdom. And once you are born into another kingdom, don't you think you ought to know how to live in that kingdom? Because I'm convinced that there are some things that we have not tapped into as far as, it, as, as far as the kingdom because we don't know how to. Because we made it all about church. And I believe that as we begin to delve deeper into this message called kingdom, that we're going to begin to access parts of the kingdom that we have not accessed yet. Do you know that's how, that's how you access things is by knowledge and revelation? You can't access something you don't have a revelation on. 
That's why we need to pray, Holy Spirit, give me revelation about things I don't know so that I can access them and possess them. You can't possess, nor can you reach for something you don't know exists. Do you know there is a group of people, they don't believe in healing the miracles? So guess what they're not going to possess? Until you get a revelation that God is the same today as he was yesterday and that he's still a God of wonders and miracles and that he's still moving in power and glory, then until you get that revelation, you will, not, you will not access it or possess it. And so what I feel like the Lord is beginning to lead me to do is beginning to teach these things about kingdom. Why? So that you might be able to access them. Because, listen, there is a main door to get into the kingdom. His name is Jesus, and you must do it through, through being born again, being born of a, of, from of above. But then once you get through the main door, the main gate, how many knows there are other doors? Come on, you don't, you don't just get in the foyer and say, bless God, I'm just so glad I made it to the foyer. Man, look how beautiful this foyer is. And you know, there, there are some believers been in this thing 40 years and they've never gotten beyond the foyer. Do you know why? Because that's the kind of preaching they get. They get foyer preaching. It never moves them into greater and deeper places and deeper rooms. How do you, why, why don't they go deeper, preacher? Because nobody told them that that door right there, you have the right and the privilege because now that you are part of the kingdom, you can walk in there because everything that's in this kingdom, Jesus purchased and you are an inheritor to everything in the kingdom and all you have to do is get a revelation of it and possess it. Let me, let me say it like Paul said. Paul said we have blessed, spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Why do you think it's called the kingdom of heaven? Matter of fact, um, when we get into the Beatitudes, I'm going to talk about more about the kingdom specifically. But in the, when it says kingdom of heaven, in the Greek, it's actually plural. It's the kingdom of the heavens. Go, go, go look it up. It is the kingdom of the heavens, meaning that you have access not just to sing, a single thing, but you have access to many things when you get into the kingdom. Paul said we have spiritual blessings in heavenly places. What do you mean heavenly? I believe he's talking about the kingdom. Spiritual, everybody say spiritual. How many know spiritual you can't see it? It's not physical, it's what? Spiritual. This kingdom that I'm talking about right now, it's spiritual, you can't see it. One day it will be physical and literal. Jesus, we, every eye shall see him and behold him. But right now, it's spiritual. And in this spiritual kingdom, there is spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So the thing is, how do you get the spiritual into the natural? I will shout out, but oh, I got a spiritual blessing. Well, good. How do you make it physical? Healing is a spiritual blessing. Breakthrough is a spiritual blessing. Victory is a spiritual blessing. How do you get it to manifest? It wasn't a coincidence that the last series I preached on was faith. Because what what's the purpose of faith? To get what you can't see to manifest in the, in the natural. 
Faith reaches into the spiritual and pulls it into the physical. Faith tells you there's something that you cannot see, but even though you can't see it, it's just as real as everything that you can see. Faith tells you, I see all the kingdoms of the world, but there is a greater and superior kingdom that I cannot see, and if I have the faith, I can access it, and everything that is in that kingdom that is spiritual, I can manifest it in the physical right now in my life. And I just come to declare to somebody, this church, your life is getting ready to get into a place where you're not just gonna access something, you're going to access all things that God has provided and prepared for those that love him for eye has not seen ear has not heard neither has it entered into the heart of the man the things that God has prepared everybody say prepared and here's what here's why I'm talking I'm telling you this I believe that we we haven't even scratched the surface when it comes to the things that the kingdom wants to pour out into this house. So in prayer, I've been saying, God, everything that's in the kingdom, everything connected to the kingdom, all of my inheritance, I want to see it begin to manifest. The kingdom power, I want to see it manifest. Kingdom righteousness, I want to see it manifest. We've been, we, we, listen. The, the Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has really given us a picture of true righteousness. And opposed to that true righteousness was a group of people called Pharisees that had a false righteousness. I believe when we start preaching the kingdom, you won't have to tell anybody to get right and to live right and to practice it and to walk it. When, you start, when, we, start, when we start preaching kingdom, all of a sudden, you're going to start seeing people start walking righteousness. Why? Because in the kingdom, you realize that you're not just anybody. You're not just a pew sitter. You're not just somebody who takes up space. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have power and authority and there's glory in you. There's treasure in you. There's greater in you. And listen, and the only thing that will ever unlock that is a revelation of the kingdom. A revelation of the kingdom. Now listen. So if you're going to live in this kingdom, spiritual, this spiritual kingdom, don't you think you ought to know how to access things in this kingdom? I think it'd be a good thing to know that there's more than just a foyer. There are other rooms that God wants you to, to, to get involved in. Sometimes we get satisfied with the foyer. Why? Because it don't make greater demands on us. Because we know when we walk through the next door, there's going to be a greater demand upon our lives, greater sacrifices, greater commitment. So what do we do? We hang out in the foyer, socialize in the foyer. Why? Because the foyer don't put no demand upon the anointing or the gift that, that God put in you. And you know what my job is as a preacher? Hey, there's more. Come through the door. You want to see the anointing? You want to see the miracle working power of God? Step through the next door. And then when you get to that door, then go through the next and the next and access everything that God has for your life. And I've come to tell somebody, the kingdom has great things in store and prepared for those that love him. Love who? Not the church who love the king that is sitting on the throne. There's a lot of people, they love the church. I'm talking about God 
raise up a people that love the king. Matter of fact, this whole church we're, we're talking about was, was built on the rock anyway. That rock is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. Paul said you, can't lay, you cannot lay any other foundation than what, what has already been laid, and that is Jesus Christ. That's why I refuse. I want to say it right up front. I refuse to have a ministry called Gregory Allen Barcher Ministries. It ain't about me. It's not about us. If there's anything that drives me crazy is when somebody calls their ministry after them. No, this thing was built on Jesus. He's the foundation. It's about him. We are to hide ourselves, decrease to ourselves. This is the message of the kingdom. A lot of people don't like this, but this, this is the message of the kingdom. You're really, you're, you're really, it's really going to be tough when we get into the Beatitudes. Because the Beatitudes are, is like a huge two-edged sword that begins to pierce your heart. Because it lets you know very quick, without him, you, can, you can't live up to the standard of the kingdom. The kingdom never calls you lower. The kingdom will always call you higher. It's amazing to me that Jesus would talk about the, the commandments. You know, the Pharisees loved the Ten Commandments. And Jesus said, you know, Moses said. But then he, then he would say what Moses said. Then he says, but I say unto you. Well, we, what was he doing? He was saying, the king is here. And let me tell you who I am. I was before Abraham. I'm greater than Moses. And I'm coming. I'm not just coming to dumb down the law. I'm coming to fulfill it and to bring it up to another standard. Because he would say things like this. He said, Moses said if you, it, that, that, that it's wrong for you to commit murder. Jesus said, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've already committed murder. Moses said that it's wrong to commit adultery. Jesus said, but I say unto you, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. What? You go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, and Jesus looks at his disciples and says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Once you get into the kingdom, our righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. What was he saying? When you get into this kingdom, it's not about self-righteous. It's not about your efforts. It's not about your merits. It's not about what you look like on the outside, how long your pants are, how long your dress is. Because how many knows there's a lot that got long dresses and long tongues too, and it don't make it right. That's God they speak in tongues. I don't care if they speak in tongues. Does their life look like kingdom? He said it's not what they got on. It's not, the, it's not what they look like. It's about the heart. That's what Jesus was dealing with. But why? Because the kingdom will pierce the heart. But when you get the heart right, everything else will start to align itself according to the policies and the principles and the protocols of the kingdom. It's not behavior modification. It's belief modification. Because if you change, if you can get somebody to believe it, it will change their behavior. Why? Because behavior is determined by belief. People behave the way, the way they do because of the way they believe. So what does Jesus do? Before Jesus ever deals with conduct, he deals with character. Before he ever deals with the outward, he deals with the inward. 
And when you, it's amazing to me before he talks about adultery, before he ever talks about the, the law, before he ever talks about the practice of the kingdom, what does he do? Blessed is the one who's poor in spirit, for they shall possess the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, blessed. And everything that he says is blessed has to do with the inward part of man, not the outward. If we get those right, you won't have to worry about anything on the outside. It'll all line up. And I've come to tell you, it's not about us preaching about what people are wearing or what people got on or what kind of ink they got and then cursing them and condemning them to hell. It's about, let's deal with the heart. Let's, let's preach so that righteousness may pierce the heart. And when the heart is changed, they will begin to, then, then you'll begin to see a change manifest on the outside. We're not going to turn somebody away. My, you know what my dad called me? This is just, it's, my dad called me and said the other day he was watching a church that, uh, an older church, church that me and him used to go and evangelize in and I'm not going to say the name of it but he said that he was watching the Sunday school class and the Sunday school teacher the whole time he was teaching Sunday school the whole lesson was about how that you can if you are if you don't if you wear pants you cannot come into their church and began to explain why if you wear pants, you can't come into their church. The whole lesson was about how you are to, you're not to do something on the outside. That's the Pharisees. That's the voice of religion. It's not kingdom. Kingdom says, you know what? Get in here. No matter what you look like, no matter what you got on, no matter what's on your skin, no matter what has pierced your skin, you get in here and Jesus will love you and love will cast fear right out of you. Love will change your heart and you will become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you get a revelation of you being righteous, then when you begin to believe that you're righteous, it will begin to manifest in your life that you are righteous. And when you get in here, we're going to teach you the kingdom that you're not just meant for the foyer. You're meant to be a mighty woman, a man of God, even the... You're gifted. You got potential. He, there's value in you. He died for you. He gave his life for you. I mean, we. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Religion's stupid. Religion has no logic to it because they put their principles above people and their policies above people. You know what Jesus did? He threw out policy for people. I, me and Jonathan was talking about this the other day. Jesus would do things just to aggravate and stir up the, the religious. He knew that it was their tradition, not, not God. It was their tradition that before you ate, you washed your hands. And it's a good practice, hygiene, right? Especially today. But they got so upset at Jesus because he let his disciples eat without washed hands. And... They were up. That's what religion does. It takes the smile. Jesus said one time, says, you'll, 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 you'll swallow a camel but strain at a gnat. <laughs> Just the smallest thing. Bless God, they didn't come to church with their hair combed. 
So we're going to ignore them, kick them out of church. One time, Jesus is in a church service in a synagogue, and there's a man there with a withered hand. He sees them. The religion, I, I, want, I want to ask, how long has that man been there? How long has he been on the church there? Jesus shows up in one service. In one service, he sees the man with the withered hand. He says, man, get into the center of the synagogue. Jesus looked at him and says, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says, as he stretched out his hand, his hand was completely healed. And you know what the religious, the religious did? They got mad that Jesus done a miracle on a, on a Sabbath. Because religion puts the policies above people. Jesus made it about people. He come to serve. He come to give of himself. He come to die to become a sacrifice so that we might be free from sin, Satan, and the world. It was not about coming to establish a religion called Christianity. Jesus did not come to start a religion called Christianity. He come to establish the kingdom. And we've gotten so far off from this thing. We have created our, we're just like the Pharisees. We have created some, so many man-made traditions that it makes the word of God of none effect. Can't hear the word because of so many traditions. If traditions are biblical, they're good. If they're not, they're bad. I challenge you, go watch a YouTube video. It's called Breaking the Silence. If you want to see the danger of religion and man-made traditions, go watch this video. It's, it's a series. It's called Breaking the Silence. And it's a, it's a whole series about the Amish. And it's about a man who was breaking the silence, who was a preacher in the Amish church. He began to actually read the Bible. That's not a good thing in the Amish. They just want you to teach and preach what their tradition. They don't want you to read the Bible. That's why everything, all their Bibles are in old German. But you know what? This man, he learned German. He said, if I'm going to be a preacher, I think I need to preach the Bible. So he started reading the Bible. And he noticed that the, the traditions of the Amish did not line up with the Bible. And did you know that he started to buck up on them? And they looked at him and said, we don't want you preaching the Bible. We want you preaching our traditions. See, the Amish, they don't just ostracize you they don't do nothing with you for you after that they give you the cold shoulder they turn their backs on you his whole entire family were ostracized because he wanted to preach the Bible that's the same way that is the, the essence of I challenge you go watch that it's a powerful how they actually came to Jesus and Jesus got him out of the Amish religion. And I'm going to share something with you. But so, so Jesus takes his disciples, not the, not the multitude. He takes his disciples upon a mountain. Why? 
because he sees the multitudes. Verse 1, seeing the multitude. He sees the multitudes. There is a multitude of people gathering. There is a crowd now. There are, we don't know how many. We know that one time that he tries to feed them, there, there was about 5,000, not counting women and children. There was a lot following him. He picks 12 out of this huge crowd. As you go on, he chooses more. It's not just 12. He actually chooses 70, and then there's more that he chooses as his, as his disciples and apostles. Out of this crowd, he takes 12, takes them up on a mountain, sits down with them because he wants to instruct them, not in traditions. They've seen traditions. Traditions can't do nothing. They have no power. For instance, the man with the withered hand, how long was he in the synagogue? Tradition never got him healed. It wasn't until the kingdom came into that synagogue that he got healed. How long about, what about the man sitting at the gate beautiful? How long was he sitting at the gate? People passing him by, giving him, giving him money because religion's rich. And they think if we throw money at it, we can, we can get rid of it. But then here comes Peter and, and John. The Bible says they're going to the temple during the hour of prayer. And the Bible says Peter looks at him because he's been there for years. Years. Over 40 years. He's been there begging alms. But one day, what? Peter looks at him. He doesn't have money to throw at it, what does he have? He has kingdom. He looks at him and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give it unto you. Get up and walk. And that man got up and walked, and his, and his ankles were, were strengthened, and he went leaping and praising God in the temple. That's what happens when kingdom shows up, not religion, not tradition. So Jesus takes these 12 men, and he takes them up there because he knows he's only one man, even though he's God, he's still 100% man. He knows he can't reach everybody by himself. So what does he do? He takes 12 men that will help him in the ministry. He takes them up on a mountain, sits down with them, and begins to instruct them in the kingdom because they are going to be the ones that's going to continue and to, to advance the kingdom that he imparts to them. So how many knows it ought to be a good idea that if you're going to call these men, you also need to instruct them and train them in the message that they ought to preach and to practice. Matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus didn't say, you know what, I want to release you and I want you to start your own ministry. Call it after your name and then see how many Facebook followers you can get, see how big you can get this thing because if, if you can really build a, a big church and you are a successful preacher. No, he, he, he tells them, I'm going to send you two by two. That's all you need. You don't need a crowd. You just need two. He says, but I'm going to give you the authority of the kingdom, and wherever you go, you're going to preach the kingdom. And so what is, he didn't go, listen, he told them, go preach the kingdom. Heal the sick, cast out devils, preach the word, preach the kingdom everywhere you go. And he said, oh yeah, and you know what? Go with nothing. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Now, I, I know I'm a little different, but, you know, I've been, tr I've been trying to finish up a couple of things, a couple of books that I have been writing, and I just can't get myself to come 
to the idea that I need to sell it because I didn't get it through Greg Bartram. I got it through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And if I freely got it, I need to freely give it. Well, bless God, how are you going to afford it? I don't know. I'm a part of the kingdom. He said, if I put him first, I won't have to worry about anything else. He'll add it. He'll add it. So you know what our job is? We get so afraid and we live so much in fear that we think that, bless God, if I write a book, I can't give that thing away. Why not? Well, how am I going to make money? I, don't, I didn't think, that's not what Jesus told him. Go and see how much money you can bring up about with this. He said, don't take a staff, don't take a satchel, don't take it. I mean, he literally tells him, don't go with nothing. And he also said, he said, and wherever you go preaching this kingdom, if they receive you, he says, pronounce peace over them. But if they reject the kingdom message, he said, go outside the city, knock the dust off your feet. And he said, and a curse will come upon that city that rejected you. Not tradition, not religion, kingdom. And let me say something. It has not changed since then. We are still his disciples and we are still the ones that are to establish the kingdom of God. We are to take what Jesus started that, and what he gave to the apostles and begin to continue it today. That's what we're meant to do. Now, I, I want to get into something. So Jesus sees, the Bible says he's seeing the multitudes, and I'm getting ready to close. He's seeing the multitudes. This is interesting to me because when you look up this phrase in the Greek, seeing the multitudes, it actually means he discerns or he sees something that captures his attention. What is, what is it that captures his attention? Multitudes. The word multitudes in the Greek means a crowd of people, but listen at this. But it can also mean to gather without order or without government. One thing that caught Jesus' attention and what compelled him to call 12 men was because he looked at the people that were gathering around him and he saw a lack of government. So what does he do? He takes 12 men. Well, that's interesting. He takes 12. Do you know what the number 12 is in the Bible? What it means? It means government. He takes 12 men and they were going to be the ones that would establish the government in the multitudes. Jesus takes it up 12 up on a mountain. He imparts the message of the kingdom to them so that they could come off of a mountain, go into the multitudes, and establish kingdom in the multitudes. I'm going to keep going with this. Jesus sees them without order. Let me read a scripture. God, because the kingdom message was actually birthed out of Jesus' compassion for those who were without a shepherd. Do you know what a shepherd does? He brings order to the flock. He brings guidance and leadance. There's not chaos wherever there's a shepherd. The sheep feel cared for, nourished, provided when there's a shepherd. Without a shepherd, Jesus said, the sheep will scatter. They have no aim. They have no goals. They, they just, they're out of order. So listen to what the Bible says, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless. That's what chaos, and that's what 
a kingdom looks without order. It's, we're in America right now, and there is no order. And where there's order, there's chaos, and where there's chaos, watch, there is going to be weariness, and there's going to be helplessness, discouragement, and depression, because that's what happens when there is no righteous government. So Jesus saw these people who, 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 who he had compassion on. And he looked at them and he saw how weary and how helpless they were. And listen to what he says. He says they are like wandering sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus knows that he can't shepherd all these multitudes. So what does he do? He calls under shepherds. Trains them, teaches them what? Kingdom. Because wherever the kingdom message is, it takes the chaos and brings it to order. Who is this powerful? Genesis 1.1, for in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form. It was empty. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. But then the Bible says, but God said, let there be light. And there was light. And the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And what was chaotic done what? Came into order. And where there was order came life. It, it's, not, it's not, listen, it's not a coincidence that when Jesus comes, John called him the light. The light. Why? Because he came to push back darkness and to bring order where there was chaos. Watch this. He did not come to establish religion or to have some more man-made traditions. Do you know what? God gave them the moral code, which was the Ten Commandments. Everybody say Ten Commandments. On top of those Ten Commandments, the Pharisees said, you know what? Those aren't good enough. We need 613 other commands. So you know what the Pharisees did? They created 613 other commands other than the Ten Commandments. It was man-made tradition. That's where the washing of the hands before you eat, can't heal on the Sabbath, all that came about. They created it themselves. Jesus did not come to establish more traditions or to give us some more religion. He came to establish a kingdom that would bring the darkness into the light and to establish order where there is chaos. Matter of fact, John said the light came into the world and the darkness comprehended it not, meaning that it was overpowered when Jesus showed up. Do you know how we're gonna overcome darkness? It's for a group of people to get a revelation of the kingdom and get outside of church and tradition and religion and begin to shine the light and be a city that is on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's what it's going to take. Not, come, not, not wait till Sunday to do your church thing. No, it's get up on Monday and go establish the kingdom. Get up on Tuesday and be the light of the world. Get up on, on Wednesday and go out and heal the sick and cast out devils and establish the kingdom. You don't do it here at church. Jesus didn't do it in the... Listen, he done very few miracles in churches. He'd show up at funerals and... Raise dead boys out of caskets and 
going to the streets and prostitutes and adulterers cast at his feet, but then he would give them grace. Meet women, promiscuous women at wells and begin to minister to them and they walk leaving their water pots and going into the city and telling the men, come see a man that I've never seen before and hear what he says because I've never heard a man speak like him. That's what we need to do. We need to go out and establish. You know what you're here to do? Not to get your praise on. God help us. I see that all the time on Sunday on Facebook. I can't wait to get to church. Get my praise on. No, I'm going to tell you, I can't wait to get to church so I can get refueled, refired, so that I can go out into my job and deal with the chaos and the darkness and be a light and cast out devils and be powerful and begin to establish the authority of the kingdom in my family. That's what we're supposed to do. But listen, Jesus, if there's anything I, I can leave you, Jesus did not come to establish a religion called Christianity, nor did he come to establish more traditions and more religion. God help us. We definitely don't need more religion, especially in the mountains. We're here to, you know what I call, I believe it, the, the mantle upon my life right now is to break the back of religion. I told, uh, I, told, I told some people, I said, listen, before there's a move of God in this region, God, somebody's got to stand up and face religion right in the face and say, I come against you in the name of Jesus. It's, it's somebody standing up and standing against racism and prejudice and saying to hell with you, there will be a move of God, whether you like it or not. It's not going to look the way it, it, you think it's going to. It's not going to be white, black, yellow, purple. It's going to be kingdom. Every kindred and every tongue and every people coming together to establish the kingdom of God. And it's not going to sound like it's always sounded. It's not going to come from a red book. It's going to come from hearts that are singing a new song. I feel, I feel a spirit of prophecy on me right now. Listen, we're not going to be singing out a book. We're not going to be singing off walls. It's going to be so spontaneous that you're not going to be able to have the lyrics to it or know what has been sung because it's going to be so spiritual and so spontaneous and so led of the Holy Ghost. But it's going to be a sound from the kingdom of heaven. And when it begins to be released in the atmosphere, everything's going to begin to shift and healing's going to break out. Deliverance is going to happen because we are picking up the frequency of a place called heaven. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because I believe what we're getting ready to do is we're getting ready to tune into the frequency of a whole nother world. I want to read something to you. You remember that, that YouTube video I told you? Breaking sil the silence. That stirred me so much. It did. Oh my gosh, I cried. And I don't never watch documentaries. I'm not a documentary kind of guy. But I thought, you know, this is interesting. Breaking the sound. I want to see what they got to say about it, about the Amish. And what got me to that, the whole documentary was the wife of the man. She was talking about Jesus as being a shepherd. And she said something that was so powerful. And I'm going to help somebody today. This one. She said this, Jesus didn't come to build bigger and better fences for the sheep. 
Religion says build fences so the sheep won't wander. Jesus comes and says, what you need is not bigger and better fences. You, you just need to know the shepherd's voice. And when you know his voice, you won't have to wonder after a stranger's. <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. We're not coming to build bigger and better fences to keep people trapped and, 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 and keep people pinned in. No, you know what we're, we're trying to do? I'm not trying to tell you to follow the rules or the regulations or to establish religion. I'm trying to get you to have ears to hear what the voice of the shepherd sounds like. And if you, if you, ever, if you ever hear his voice, you will never turn to the stranger's voice. If you'll ever hear the whisper of I love you, you'll never turn to another more inferior voice than that of the shepherds. I ain't coming to build no fence. Best God, we better, build a f- we better get a control of this. The sheep are wandering. Let's build some fences. No, 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 no. Let's set them down. Let's teach them how to hear the voice of the Father. Because I'm going to tell you, if you ever hear his voice, you'll never be satisfied with another. The problem is people are having, having problems with wondering because all we got is preacher's voice and voice of religion. I set somebody down one time in my office. Something tragic happened in their life and a lot of people were saying a lot of things. You know what I did? I set them down. I didn't give them my opinion. I didn't say, you need to do this. Here's the steps. I set them down and said, shut out all voices. And listen for the Father's voice. Sometimes as a pastor, there's nothing you can say. Because I'm just an under-shepherd. Sometimes what some of you need is to hear the shepherd's voice. And when you hear the shepherd's voice, a stranger's you will not follow. That was from a woman who knows what religion really looks like. She got a revelation because she heard the shepherd's voice. And let me tell you something. Ooh, this is so good. This is so good. During the days of Jesus, shepherds didn't build fences. They didn't build doors or gates. Shepherds in that day were the fence and they wore the door. (laughs) Come here, Josiah. Come here, Levi. These are my sheep. These are my boys. All right? Stand over here. I'm dad. I'm the father. I guarantee you, out of a crowd, they could, they, could, they could hear my voice and they can distinguish my voice. Usually that's how it is. My voice always overwhelms the crowd. But they, wanna, they will know the distinct sound of daddy's voice. Why? Because they're around daddy more than anybody. You say, how do you understand what, this, what, the, what the Father's voice sounds like? you got to spend enough time with him. And the more you're with him, the more you can distinguish his voice from the crowds and from religion and from the chaos. I'm not trying to build a lot of fences around them. No, we do have boundaries, don't get me wrong. 
don't we boys? <laughs> They're becoming men. But I'm learning something that the, the, the more they grow up, the more they have to learn how to make their own decisions. So now I'm not so much trying to put a tight grip on them. I'm trying to show them how to make good decisions because your decisions lead to your destiny. And so I'm, I want them to hear daddy's voice because this is a voice of experience. I've lived this life like a lot of you. And we don't learn from pain, learn from experience. Right? So you're, I'm teaching them the voice. Because if you get the voice, you'll live vic victorious. But in the days of Jesus, Jesus wasn't trying to establish bigger fences, better fences to keep people from wondering. That wasn't, that's not what shepherds did in that, in, in that day. Come here, stand right beside each other, right here. What a shepherd would do is at night, he would lay down in front of his sheep. And the only way that the sheep could escape is they had to go over him. The shepherd knew at all times where the sheep were. And he was the door and he was the fence. Go, go, go do your own study. The shepherd would lay down on the ground and he knew what, everything that was going on. I want to say, Jesus laid himself down. Not so that we might have bigger and better fences, but so that we might know who the voice of the Father is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So for these sheep to wonder, they have to get over the shepherd. Sometimes people wonder because they make a choice, I don't want the shepherd, I want what's out there. Because you, we always think there's greener pastures. If I could just get to that other pasture. That's what I'm trying to teach the boys right now. I try to teach them, guys, the only, only, only thing you need is God. Because the world says be popular. You got to have the, the, the name brand. Yeah. Got to have this. Got to be light. Got to have this. And I'm trying to tell them you don't have to have any of that because that right there won't make you happy. The only thing that will ever bring you joy is Jesus. But sometimes, but the only way to get out there is you literally have to overstep him. Jesus gave us a, a, an analogy one time of what the kingdom is, is like. He said it's like a shepherd who had a hundred sheep one sheep left the shepherd left the 99 to go and get the one you mean to tell me he didn't party with the 99 I said yeah, guys I'm so glad that one got out here he's a, he was, he's a black sheep yeah he's, he got on my nerves no the Bible says he left the 99 which represents the righteous Religion wants to hang with the righteous. Oh, you look like me. You sound like me. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Religion says hang out with the 99. But the voice of the Father goes out and says, little lamb. Little lamb. Little lamb. And Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. I come from the, for the lost. 
I come for the sick. I come to see who was lost so that I can rescue them. And I'm believing that we're getting ready to come into a time when the kingdom of God is going to be established that all of a sudden you're going to hear the voice of the Father going, Little lamb! In the middle of the night. You know, you can sit down. Right now in Hollywood, you know what's happening in Hollywood? People are getting visions of Jesus. Do you know what's happening right now in the Middle East to some some of the worst of Muslims? They're getting revelations of Jesus, having dreams of Jesus. You know what that is? That's the Father. That is, the, that is Jesus Christ. He's going and he says, little lambs, little lambs. Right now, I believe right now we're in trap houses. People who are putting needles in their arms are going to hear the Father's voice saying, little lambs, little lambs. You're not called for that. You're made for more. Even, even Jesus said, he looked at his disciples and says, there are other sheep that are not a f- part of this fold, but they're coming. <laughs> Religion says we're good with our four no more. But whenever you got kingdom, kingdom says we still got room, daddy. We still got room. Let whosoever will let them come. We still got room. Let it, we still got room. Little lambs. Little lambs, the Father's calling. The Father's calling. And what we need to pray is not God help us build build big churches, but God let them hear the Father cry out their name so that they can come back to the Father's house where they will be loved and accepted and not rejected and ostracized. Don't get me wrong, Jesus loves all of us righteous ones. But I, I'm convinced he's not at a whole lot of churches today. He's up the trap house. He's in the living room with the person who stayed up all night drinking themselves into a drunken stupor. He's at the atheist home trying to convince them to hear his voice. I'm praying, God. Make my brother so miserable. Give him so many dreams that he can't analyze it. Because that's what my brother does. He analyzes. Well, you know, I got a question about this. Got a question about that. I'm going to tell you, there will be no more questions if we can get people to hear his voice. But how is it we're going to get people to hear his voice when the church don't live the kingdom? And I want to look at the world and say, listen, all those people, that's not his voice. But there is coming a people that are going to begin to establish the kingdom. And within that kingdom, we are going to hear the voice of the shepherd. We're not going to build. Listen, if, you come, if you're looking for us to build bigger fences and better fences, we're not doing it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to establish kingdom. We're going to love on people. We're going to care for people. We're going to put our arms around people. And we're going to say, stick around here because sooner or later, you'll hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, John said, when I heard his voice, it was like that of many waters. When you hear his voice, it's like a flood. It'll, it'll tear down everything in your life that is not like him and it will remove it and it will replace it with better. Stand to your feet.